Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Comms Coffee Club podcast. It's also the week before Christmas, so this is a little Christmas special with me, Max Forsyth, Managing Director and Founder of Comms Search and Selection, the executive search and recruitment firm covering the in-house communications market across the UK and the US, and also the host of the Comms Coffee Club podcast. So what are we going to be featuring today? So to wrap up the end of the year and looking forward to 2024, I thought we would start by talking about some good news and some nice research which has come out from another exec search firm actually called Spencer Stewart around the rise of the CCO or Chief Communications Officer in Fortune 500 companies. We'll cover that and also what the uh, landscape looks like in the UK and also there's a little comment on Japan as well which is quite interesting um, given Japan's culture and quite conservative business nature. We will also be discussing a poll I did on LinkedIn last week regarding communications hiring processes and job search and how long each process is taking with um, some slightly depressing stats. So we'll talk through that and hopefully it'll be a better year in 2024 and employers can start to actually walk the talk when it comes to EVP, which I think quite a few of them are doing themselves a bit of a disservice at the moment. Uh, thirdly, a bit of Christmas cheer as well. Uh, we can't not uh, have a quick look at and talk about Blackstone's Christmas video. I think it's great. And uh, yeah, we'll get on to that in a bit. And then finally, uh, we couldn't not have this without talking about uh, from a crisis comms perspective, we have a new channel x or twitter uh, live streams featuring uh, james o'keefe who's a new media uh, journalist and ibm and red hat it's all kicked off on x live streams you name it it's a bit of a spat but i thought it'd be quite interesting to talk through from a comms perspective uh, yeah how you could try and manage that mitigate it etc not going to get too much into the details of whether the you know story or thing is valid or not you know i'm not a lawyer <laughs> but we'll just talk about it from a comms perspective and uh, yeah that should wrap up 2023's comms coffee club podcast so without further ado let's get into it so up first is yeah, uh, this is the um, and this is the insights piece from Stephanie Roberts, uh, who is a head of global communications. Who, yeah, LinkedIn top voice. I'm going to turn her on LinkedIn, and she's great. She shares some really interesting stuff. Um, so this is a report that came out uh, this year from Spencer Stewart, the exec search firm, with a really surprising statistic actually that uh, 410 out of uh, 500 out of the fortune 500 companies uh, have a cco in place uh, or chief communications officer which i thought was remarkable actually um and really a lot higher than what i thought it was going to be if i was going to pluck a figure out of the air um comms professionals that i know it's always been a bit of a challenge sometimes it, yes, one around headcount, budget, etc. But often, particularly here in the UK, you know, how can communications heads, directors sell 
their value back into the you know, C-suite, it's very difficult to put a monetary value on a lot of what comms does. You know, unlike you know, sales or marketing, where there are you know, much more black and white metrics that you can link back to, track, evaluate, stick in your ball packs. Uh, a lot of the communications work and function is often slightly dark arts if you like and particularly from a reputation point of view it's often what is kept out of the news rather than necessarily what necessarily always makes it in and obviously what's kept out of the news is <laughs> it's quite hard to track that you know you kept out the news so there's no clicks there's no impressions you know, there's no stories there's no journalists after you so that's so that can be quite difficult to be able to turn around as a head of comms or comms director and say, look, I've I've kept five stories out of the press this year. Uh, you know, and what's the monetary value on that? You know, I think I think we've all seen you know, there'd been some very high profile uh, corporate fallings out over the last few years across a number of industries. You know, look, some of which um, you know, were, were going to come out anyway, but you know, was perhaps not necessarily handled in the best way or, you know, the communications was lacking. And you, when you look into it, these are companies where they haven't had a CCO in place and they haven't had that board level you know, reputation advisor being able to steer the board and CEO through a crisis. You know, certainly here in the UK, probably the most high profile one this year was Dame Alison Rose, who was chief executive of NatWest Group and the debanking uh, scandal crisis with Nigel Farage and the fallout of that and how that was handled. If you look at NatWest Group, you know they don't have a you know a, a strong set of you know, senior communications people in there operating at that board an SLT level everyone in their comms team who is good but they sit further down the pecking order and without being able to influence and steer that I think you know, that could have been handled a lot better by NatWest and ultimately you know that led to Alison Rose losing her job uh, NatWest came out uh, a few weeks ago and yeah she's not getting her share options and bonus for the last financial year either so yeah it really does have a lot of knock-on effects so yeah that's some great news that uh, Stephanie Roberts shared around yeah the number of CCOs in Fortune 500 companies is really great um, and yeah and just for yeah and just for clarity's sake just to give you a bit of a picture uh, of the UK um, and this is what it looks like uh, in the FTSE 100s. This is some research done by the CIPR, so the Chartered Institute of Public Relations, which is a big PR membership body, uh, particularly here in the UK. And yeah, yeah, and they found that almost half of FTSE 100 boards and executive leadership teams lack a director of comms, director of corporate affairs, or similar dedicated position. Um, yeah, I, to me, that's not a shocking stat. I think. Yeah, if I was going to put my finger in the air and guess where it was, I'd have sat around that. But I still think it, you know, it says a lot that you know, FTSE businesses have a long way to go before before they can really say that they have taken reputation into account. You know, I know that those FTSE one hundreds, you know, by and large, they will all have you know, a reputation advisor, whether and that and that is likely to be outsourced. You know, whether that's a you know, whether it's a Brunswick or an FTI, 
you know, lanterns, etc. I, I mean, they've been through so many mergers over the last couple of years that I think I think they're all called different things now. But you get my drift. And yeah, I think if there was one hope for 2024, it would be for it would be for boards and senior leadership teams in FTSE 100s, FTSE 250s. AIM listed here in the UK and other medium and large sized commercial enterprises. Most of them will have an HR person on the board. Most of them will have a marketing person on the board. You really need to think hard about about having that comms person on the board. Reputationally, of course, you know, mitigating reputational damage, but also think about all the positive things that a communications leader at board level can do. You know, they're often fantastic problem solvers. They're the glue. You know, they'll join the dots. They'll put things together. You know, actually, their, you know, their role is you know is not just keeping news out of the, uh, or keeping stories out of the news, or even, you know, proactively, selling stories in and getting you a profile in the FT or anything like that. Um, of course, that's a little bit of the job, but a lot of it is. You know, they can help you make your company run a lot better and get that messaging and tone of voice really, really crystal clear that, you know, one can support your sales teams in winning new business, retaining clients from an operational perspective, you know, gluing everyone together with really good comms. Large businesses, when it comes to transformation communications, digital communications, change programs, you know, lots and lots of large companies are in near constant states of change and flux and you know having that board level communications person can help you guide through that make your business you know run more efficiently so yeah really think about it and you know there's also we'll come on to it in a minute but the poll i ran around evp for example uh and comms jobs interview timelines you know all of this is you know is stuff that's quite easily fixable and a you know, a senior communications person can really help you to, you know, spot and deal with a lot of those issues. You know, they're known as people that go beyond, you know, their remit. They don't like a problem sitting on their desk, so they'll help you solve it. Uh, and then there was another interesting point as well from Stephanie. Um, yeah, kind of just going back to her post uh, in in one of the comments here. Um uh, and you know she still said the FTSE less than half is still way way higher than what the situation is in Japan where she's currently based. You know that's quite interesting for me. I haven't done a lot of Japanese comms recruitment, but when you think about the culture, Japan, you know, often very conservative businesses are run like that. You know, you don't leave your desk until your boss does, and so on. And um, yeah, it's very much the opposite of uh, you know a meritocracy. It's uh, yeah, you know, you listen to your elders, but it's, yeah, it's interesting that they don't necessarily have those CCOs in place. And um, yeah, that'd be interesting to see to see whether that changes. Um, so, on to the next piece. Um, yes, yeah, so this is the poll I ran. Um, on LinkedIn last week, actually, it's still got a day or two to go. Um, but the question was, um, how long is the recruitment process taking or your most recent process taking? Uh, and this question was aimed at communications, hiring managers um, and communications candidates who are in process. Now, this to me was quite shocking. There is, there is absolutely no reason why if, if all the if everyone is brought together and all the stakeholders are brought in, 
why a recruitment process actually even for senior roles you can do it in less than a month if everyone really pulls together you know uh, particularly if you engage you know a headhunter or a recruiter like me of course <laughs> and come search and selection um you, you you can have the brief you know you can do a decent search now in a week you know linkedin recruiter you know all the digital channels, you know, email, social, WhatsApp, phone, of course, meetings, you know, you name it. You can actually get a really decent shortlist pulled together in a week. You, know, you can schedule your first interviews for the following weeks. So that's two weeks. Second for the third week and then third and final in the fourth week. So yeah, look, it can be done in less than a month. Obviously, I appreciate, you know, a lot of businesses have multiple competing priorities. So, so even under two months, um you know that's giving you a bit of leeway but that should be more than attainable and more than achievable and of course as my poll results have come out here you know these are some pretty depressing stats you've got you know just you know so 38 percent are taking less than two months so you've got you know 62 percent that are taking longer than two months which is unacceptable and a staggering 22% are taking four months or longer. <laughs> it's just not on. But, you know, it's a waste of everyone's time, particularly on candidates and often in this market as well. There are good candidates looking, have either been made redundant, you know, they're looking for a new role, their contracts come to an end. Internally as well, the knock-on effects of, you know, not having someone in post for X amount of months, you know, think about how much time the hiring manager is having to take out of their already busy schedule to cover, you know, kind of to cover this role. Also, team members doing that too. You know, what's the knock-on effect uh, in terms of things like burnout, team morale, hiring manager morale? The list is endless of all of the knock-on negatives of having extremely long recruitment processes like this. It does no one any favors. You know, you've got those, you know, you've got those really negative effects there. But also think about, you know, think about the opportunities missed. Just think about the opportunities missed. And, you know, what, you know when you've got someone in post, someone knows what they're doing. They're productive from day one. You know, they're generating value for you, your business and your company. And, yeah, as I said, there is there is absolutely no reason why you can't get an interview process done in under a month and at an absolute limit it should be done in less than two so here's hoping for 2024 that we if i if i rerun this poll in six months time in the summer that over half can now be done under two months if anyone needs any help by the way in mapping that out need some help you know they can't find the right candidates the process is crazy or whatever please do drop me an email or or drop me a dm you can get me at max.forsyth at commssearch.com you can find me on linkedin more than happy to have a chat with you uh, and to discuss yeah how we can reduce that time get someone in in place quicker more productive great talent and um yeah, hopefully that'll be a much better 2024 than 2023. Um, now, yeah, if 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 any of you are on a, on X or Twitter, as it used to be called, um, 
this all kicked off uh, last week between the CEO of IBM uh, and yeah, some of the board members at Red Hat and James O'Keefe, um, who refers to himself on X as a guerrilla journalist, a CEO of O'Keefe Media. Uh, I guess why I wanted to mention this was, uh, look, I'm not going to get into the ins and outs of of IBM or Red Hat's DE&I policy and et cetera, et cetera. You know, that's not my area of specialism. And yeah, it, and that's a conversation for another day. But I think from a communications perspective, and particularly a crisis comms perspective, it's really, really, really interesting. I think if everyone, you know, even five years ago, you think of crisis communications from a media perspective, and, you know, I guess what keeps you up at night is, you know, a journalist from the FT or the Times or the Washington Post or the BBC or the New York Times, you know, calling you up and, you know, saying they've got leads and sources on X story and, you know, kind of what's your comment? We're going to go to press in 12 hours. You know, with, you know, with things like X and the new media, as people like to call it, um, it's just another channel to monitor. But also, I think, you know, the speed at which, excuse me, you know, the speed at which these stories can unravel. And also, I think there's a, you know, they they throw the media relations rule book out of the window in some respects of, you know, at least giving companies a chance to comment before going to print, etc. Um, you know, James O'Keefe is you know, is pretty is pretty controversial from a journalist point of view, but um, yeah, it, it's turned into a real mess. And um, and yeah, the live streaming element as well. So so they ran a live stream on X uh, at the end of uh, last week. So recording this on Tuesday, the nineteenth of December. So this is the middle of last week. And if you haven't seen it, basically to give you a a bit of an overview, let me see if I can find it on their uh, on their timeline down here. Um, oh, that's the that's the CEO of IBM has blocked James O'Keefe on X. It just, I mean, again, just imagine someone saying that five years ago. It just wouldn't happen. It's just quite mad. <laughs> um, but yeah, they ran a live stream uh, last week, and yeah, they basically got. Uh, quite a few current and former IBM and Red Hat employees who are dialing in to this live stream to basically put the boot in to IBM and Red Hat. And yeah, it went viral. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's mad. You know, I think we'd had, you know, we'd had a couple of examples of you know, corporates where, you know, I think disgruntled employees or former employees you know, had had been had been screen recording uh, internal town halls on on Teams or Zoom, and then you know sending those to journalists or you know spreading them on LinkedIn. You know, that's that's led to the resignations of some you know of of some very high up execs. You know, Bill Michael at um, uh, at KPMG probably being the most high profile of them. But yeah, this this whole idea of yeah of these sort of guerrilla journalists and media outlets being able to you know, run a live a live stream on X and yeah be able to get really disgruntled current and former employees on there you know 
slagging IBM and slagging Red Hat off and yeah, you know, slagging your company off. I think it's a yeah, it's a real it's a real challenge for for comms teams. And um yeah, not just guerrilla journalism, but also this new trend of of employee activism and yeah, I guess from an internal comms and engagement point of view, you know, what do you do? Do you keep you know, do you keep all of your channels open on, you know, Slack? teams linkedin sharepoint etc and you know just just hope stuff like this doesn't necessarily get out i think i think there's an element of you know know, larger companies that probably definitely slightly more vulnerable to this you know we talked about kpmg but if you look at if if you think about oem and red hat and um you know just the pure number and volume of employees they've got around the world it's very very difficult for them to be able to um you know control against a lot of this you know if something if, if something snowballs it can snowball pretty quickly but i think from a communication perspective what you need to have is i actually is i do think you need to get on the front foot you know quickly and you need to have you know, almost like a crisis comms plan in place for this and have, you know, and have lines to take, you know, I certainly think, yeah, with, with the new media and X and Twitter, you know, even just necessarily putting out a written statement, you know, probably doesn't do it now. You know, I think you need your execs to be able to record something on camera and, you know, there's, there's, I think there's very little public and even media tolerance now of anything that you know, read, looks, or sounds too too scripted and too much like a PR person has 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 written it or an old school PR old school PR person. Um, so I think everybody yeah needs to be really conscious of that and have and have some authentic things to be able to push back on. And you know if. You know, if we take the IBM and Red Hat example, you know, if you know if the DEI piece is you know, really you know what you believe and what you think as a as a company, <clears throat> of course, I mean as long as it's you know legal, I think yeah, there's definitely yeah some stuff in the states that you know I'm not a US lawyer by any means, but you know, there's you know, but as long as what you're doing is you know legal and it's what you believe in as a company, you need to have you need to have those lines to take in place and you know you need to be training your execs on this and what to do when it happens and yeah you really need to get on the front foot because i think you know the way that social media works and virality if you don't get in there to try and nip it it's just going to spiral and just keep spiraling so yeah really interesting thing to see and i wonder and i wonder how this will how this will play out you know next year i'll be interested to see yeah, how the ibm and red hat piece you know plays out but i think yeah certainly for companies at large yeah looking at yeah kind of looking at new media and yeah and social media platforms and x and live streams and uh yeah just be yeah just be conscious of having of having plans in place to be able to deal with that uh and finally yeah just to end the uh the year on a high i i just wanted to share um <clears throat> so if you haven't seen it already um um uh, blackstone have done a brilliant holiday video um yeah it's 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 a really light-hearted poke from blackstone at themselves really and i think 
you know, for a lot of people that work outside Blackstone and you, know, you speak to candidates, etc., you know, it can have a it come across as quite a has quite a brutal, you know, working environment. And, you know, by brutal, obviously, let's put it into perspective, you know, it's financial services, it's corporate, but you know, it's <laughs> it's it, it could be quite rigid in its working practices and how they go and and how they do it. And yeah, they're very successful, but yeah, you know, culture wise I think it suits some people, and but doesn't suit a lot. And uh, yeah, this was just a really nice Christmas take on everything. Um, yeah, on Blackstone really taking the piss out of themselves. And um, yeah, it was a fantastic watch. Really made me chuckle. Really made me laugh. And I think it, I think what I really liked was you know particularly coming from a company like Blackstone that has an image and a reputation of being, or perhaps being something something else from a cultural perspective. You know, actually, a lot of people come across really well in it. It's really light-hearted and it's great. Um, and a special shout out as well to um, to John Gray, um, who I think really needs a sitcom of his own. He was genuinely great, and you know, actually, it looked like a really decent A-list actor in it. So, yeah, I just thought we'd play a minute or two of this and. Um, yeah let me know what you think but i think it was a really nice way to yeah to open up the holiday season and yeah to finish and finish this episode on so let me play a couple of minutes for you lore genius emergency meeting right now This all started when John went to see Taylor Swift's Eras Tour. Yeah, he claimed he only went to take his daughters, but I heard he packed multiple outfit changes. Now he's following her around the world. I had to give him my ticket. Ever since he went to that concert, he's acting like he discovered Taylor Swift. Has anyone here heard of Taylor Swift? Yes. 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 No. Yes. I mean, yes. We've been going about everything wrong. We need to go on tour like Taylor, and we will raise a billion dollars. John, we managed to raise a trillion dollars professionally explaining our disciplined and thematic approach to investing. Can't we just stick with that? Fireworks, glow sticks, those little helmets with the ice cream. This is gonna replace fundraising? I have it all. Oh no. And then an epic performance starring us. His idiocy knows no bounds. Seriously. We're on mute, right? For sure. No wrench. This is obviously a great idea, John, but... Maybe we run it by Steve? Yes. Good idea. There's no way Steve would let something this ridiculous happen at Blackstone. Go on tour? Like Taylor Swift? But a Blackstone version? I love it. Do you think we're more fearless? All right, so if you want to watch the rest of that, just yeah, just go on Blackstone LinkedIn profile and you'll find it on their post. But yeah, look, kind of really nice, lighthearted, uh, sort of, yeah, kind of poke at themselves and uh, yeah, really well shot. And yeah, no, I love it. So yeah, hopefully some of the yeah some of the other big boys in financial services and and asset management can come up with something similar for next Christmas. That would be great, wouldn't it? Um, so yeah, so yeah, I thought. Yeah, we'd wrap up. Yeah, we'd wrap up with that. Um, yeah, let me put myself back on screen. 
um so yeah kind of thank you very much to everyone um who who has listened uh, and watched all the comms coffee club episodes this year the first 10 um yeah we interviewed some great guests from across you know, fortune 500 FTSE 100, 250, you know, blue chip professional and financial services firms chatting all about things, comms, corporate comms, PR, their favorite CEOs to work for. It's been great. I've loved interviewing everybody. Uh, yeah, really hope that you've enjoyed everyone's insights too. And yeah, we'll be back in the new year with more interviews uh, with lots of other comms leaders uh, from across more blue chips. Yeah, we've already got recording sessions in the diary for January. Uh, so yeah, so keep an eye out. Uh, yeah, don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast um, on YouTube uh, or your preferred podcast app. Also, quick note as well, we've had a little refresh on our website. So if you go to commssearch.com, uh, you'll find all of the audio players uh, and the YouTube videos uh, on our homepage too. So you can find everything in one place. Um, what else do I need to mention? I think that was pretty much it. Oh, um, yeah, please do leave a comment on any topics um, or people you would like us to interview in the new year as well. Yeah, we've already got um, guests lined up for Jan, um, but yeah, we'll be looking to put people in to record in February. So yeah, really looking forward to that. And yeah, in the meantime, don't forget to yeah drop me a follow on LinkedIn uh, or drop me a DM as well if we can help you with your communications, recruitment, hiring plans for 2024. And yeah, enjoy your Christmas. Have a lovely Christmas holidays and New Year. And uh, yeah, we will see you in January. Take care.